a major role in the service. And you might be wondering why we sing so many songs before we give. We sing so many songs before the word is preached. But sometimes, just sometimes, we need the music to intrude our hearts just a little bit more. And it's really easy for me, um, again, to, to preach, especially when the music has been really well and really thought of. And so thank you for your hard work regarding that. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we'll, we'll start off here. Um, and we'll be jumping around different parts of Scripture, but pretty much talking about the same thought. Mark chapter 6, verse 39. Mark chapter 6, verse 39. It says this, And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Isn't that a beautiful thought, green grass? And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set forth, set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Verse 43 of Mark chapter 6. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 and tonight, I guess the, 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 thought, the, the thought that the Lord gave me to, to preach is really a sombering thought, but rather a thought that encourages and, and hopefully encourages you tonight. And this thought is entitled, Service Through Suffering. Service Through Suffering. Let's pray. And let's um, commit this time. Father, we are grateful again to be able to go to very familiar passages of Scripture tonight. But, Lord, we we do know that the Holy Spirit continually works in our heart. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit will do its work and that, Father God, you may be able to use some of the verses that are used tonight to bring your people closer to you. I ask, Lord, that this sermon will be able to encourage those that are already serving and that, Father, that they'll see the the necessity of serving, but also, Lord, the, the pleasure of serving, but also for those, Lord, that have, have tapered back, those that have um, even stopped in some way in regards to um, service for you here at the local church, I pray that you encourage them, you, you see, Lord, where they can grow, and Father, as a church, I ask that you just help us to just grasp these truths and then apply it. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the Bible. I pray, Lord, that you help us to learn from it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of things that go um, behind the scenes when you're, you're organizing a youth camp. And it's about two weeks, been exactly two weeks uh, from the actual service that uh, we had youth camp. And, and little do a lot of people know that there's a lot of planning that happens months, weeks, even before. Um, this year, I had the opportunity to, to, to go and... and um, and organize the medals, the medallions that the teenagers will win after their youth camp. And so it's a very important thing, right? You, you can't sort of tell the kids that they'll win something if they don't receive anything at the end, all right? It just energizes the leaders. It energizes the teens. And so uh, I went, I went um, during, I, I believe, early January, driving around. I uh, went to the, our local trophy store, the one that we always go to. Um, they have been printing our, our and and organizing our meadows for the last however many years. And I got to the door, I parked the car, and it's in an awkward place. If you've ever been there, uh, it's in an awkward place. Um, So you have to park your car somewhere else, and you sort of have to walk a little bit in order to get to the front of the store. And when I got to the front of the store, there was this sign, and the sign said, closed, not for service. And it had Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll organize, and it said there, um, we'll open around the 20th, 22nd of January. That's a problem because obviously it was on the 20th I needed the, the medals. And so I said, okay, well, this is just a, this is an abnormality. Maybe they just got sick. Maybe they had extended holiday is a great thing, right? And so I drove from that area all the way to Castle Hill 
to another place. Did you check Google? 100%. I checked Google. It's open 95 or something. I get to that place in Castle Hill, and it was in an industrial area. Park the car. I walk out, and there's the same sign. No, uh, no service. This is, we're, we're on holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We're, we're starting off on the 26th. Oh, man, these guys are really on the ball, aren't they? I said, okay, we'll keep going. And I, I went to another one that's about maybe 10 minutes away from, from the one located in Castle Hill. And you say, you're talking about a lot of these places. I went to multiple that day trying to find a place to organize these medals for our teenagers, and all of them were closed. And I thought to myself, who in the world would close their business for that long? I started calling people up. You asked Keza, she was there. She's watching me stress out. And um, I got to one place, and the lady picked up, and she said, um, you must have fi- found it a hard time to find uh, an awards place open. I said, yeah. Why is that? Do you guys just enjoy your holidays? Are you guys all on cruises? She goes, no. The delivery men don't start up transporting the medallions and the trophies until the end of January. And so there is no point for us to open up until the deliveries come in. And I sat down in my seat and said, wow. Do you know there, there are things that are happening in the church that could not get done and will not get done if someone's not, over, if, if someone's not assigned to it, if it's not shown that it's been organized. There's things in the church as a, as a, as a moving part. And I know we're talking about the church as a, as a body, as a, as a group of people. I understand that. But someone needed to vacuum the floor for you to come in. Someone had to go outside and, and trim the hedges. Those people during this week, and, and, and they were here, and they were functioning in regards to their occupation. Why? Because there are things that need to get done. Because if it's not done, people miss out. So let me ask you a question. God has blessed you, and God has enabled you to come and, and be part of our church, Southland Baptist Church. What is your part? What, why are you here? And, and it's not supposed to be indictment as a, as, a, as, as a brother to another brother or a brother to a sister. No, what this does is it, it enables you to see, okay, what is, what is it that I'm doing here that is so critical in regards to, to, to the functioning of the church? And you say, I have, I have no part in this. Let me ask you a question. If you pray for our church, you have a part in our church. Amen? When you come on Wednesday nights and you kneel at, this, uh, at your chair and you pray for the missionaries are, that are just there behind you, what happens is that you become partners and you have partnership with those missionaries. Even though you've never seen them, even though you've never been to their work, you are a part of them. Amen? And today, if you've prayed in behalf of the missionaries, and you've asked the Lord to bless their services, little do you know that over there in the Philippines, six people bowed their heads and received Jesus Christ this morning. You say, wow, that's great. That's fantastic. How much more that we don't hear about? You're a part of that church. And here what we have is a, is a story that we, we often go to, and we can we can say it in the back of our minds. We can already picture it, what's going to happen, what's going to transpire. And I just want to just put this thought in your mind just a little bit. When Jesus made those statements and when Jesus had the, the people sit down, every single person that was serving was in turmoil. Every single person that was serving that day had issues in their life that was hurting them. And yet God still did the greatest miracle. And we can pinpoint as one, these as one of the most, one of the probably most well-known miracles of Jesus Christ. To the point where they're located, the, 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 the pages of Scripture itself repeat it 
four times for us. So if you have your, if you have your pen, feel free just to write this down. This is just the, the, the corresponding verses regarding the, the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew 14, 13 to 23, you'll find the feeding of, five, uh, of the 5,000. That's Matthew 14, 13 to 23. Um, today will be um, majority in, in Mark chapter 6, 30 to 46. Um, you'll also see it in Luke chapter 9, 10 to 17. And lastly, in John chapter 6, 1 to 15. And so, firstly, the first point for us tonight as we study the scriptures is simply this. There was a clash of emotions. There was a clash of emotions. And you're probably asking, why, why, why do we need to go through this? Simply is this. Um, I, I believe God, um, or Jesus, in his, in his infinite knowledge, um, provides to us an example. And by this example, I believe that it will help each and every one of us that are serving. It will help those that are not serving to get energized to get into service. But then it will also help us see where we are and see how we can develop. And so these, I guess, three, four points is simply this, just, just some areas where we, can, where we can have a pitfall in and say, you know what, it's, I'm done. That's it. I'm, I'm no longer going to be part of this ministry. Or, or uh, I'm done. I, I don't want to get into ministry ever again. Uh, but these are the four areas I think that um, God actually pinpoints and, and just shows us through his example will be a blessing for us tonight. And simply this, in verse 30, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says this, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And when, when the Bible gives you, you that particular statement, all that they've done and what they have taught, you really need to just go through the scriptures and say, what did they do? What did they teach? And why is it so exciting? All right? And you can study that in your own time. You won't be able to go through that tonight. But um, basically... Um, on the third Galilean tour of Jesus Christ, he actually assigns the apostles in a group of six. Instead of Jesus Christ doing all the work by himself, what he does is he assigned the apostles to go in the highways and byways to actually do the miracles, to actually do the healing, to do the preaching. And so they're out and about through the whole side of Galilee, and they're teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. And people were getting saved. There was heal, uh, healings that took place. There, there were people that were lame that, that, that got to walk again. And, and now they're, they're sort of come back into this place. And now they're sitting down and they're saying, hey, Jesus, this is what's happened. This is what you've allowed us to do. We're really excited about this. And so here in verse 30, we find there was a clash of emotions. When you're doing something for the Lord, it's exciting. Amen. If you've ever been part of doing something for God, you're excited about it. Whether it's your door knocking today, whether you're giving out tracts today, whether you're sharing the gospel with someone, you're excited about the work of Jesus. But do you know what? With excitement comes tiredness. It does. And my body took it this week. You see, you said it's two weeks since camp. Yeah, my body is still recovering. Why? Because you get tired. And your body needs to recuperate. And you ask my wife, we've been trying to recuperate this couple of weeks. Well, praise the Lord, we're getting there, amen? We'll continue on tonight. There were six groups of, of two, and they were going out through the regions of Galilee. And you have to understand, um, at this point of the miracle, the, pop, the, the popularity of Jesus Christ is at its peak. People are wanting to know him. People are wanting to hear what he has to say. This is at the peak of his, his, his earthly ministry. And then God gives us a contrast. About four months into the public work of Jesus Christ, the forerunner. Do you remember who that was? The one that the Bible says that was, um, there's no greater born among women. Do you remember who that was? John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist, four months into, into Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, gets thrown into prison by King Herod. King Herod. 
And now we're given an insight to another faithful man that, that did not pronounce all these things, that was locked up into a prison, and there was no greater man than this, John the Baptist. You see, John the Baptist was imprisoned in a hilltop palace created by King Herod. And if you want, if you want the name, it's Macarius, M-A-C-H-A-E-R-U-S. And basically, this place is modern-day Jordan. It's um, 25 kilometers from the mouth of Jordan River. It's the east side of the Dead Sea. If you, if you know your places, that's where it's at. All right. John the Baptist was faithfully preaching. But he preached against the king. Not just the king, but to his wife. He preached against the king having an unlawful, immoral relationship with his brother's wife. And her name was Herodias. And Herodias tried time and time again to get John the Baptist killed. But little do you know, and little do we know, that Herod and John the Baptist actually sat down together. And they, they learned from each other. Herod learned from John the Baptist. If you don't believe that, study it in the scripture. It's an interesting thought. But let's see in verse Mark chapter 6, verse 23, verses coming up. And he swear unto her, whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it to thee unto half of my kingdom. Mark chapter 6, verse 24, we know the story. The party is taking place. The regional officers of all the regions comes through. And they're sitting there in the palace. And his daughter does this lascivious dance. And, and he, in his, in his sinfulness, in his lustfulness, makes this, this proclamation. And he was willing to give half of his kingdom because of his lust. But understand this, Herodias was willing to give half of the kingdom to kill John the Baptist. And she did. In verse 26, it says, She went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. We'll continue on. In verse 27, it says this, And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought and he, when he was, uh, and he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. Here is a man that served God. Here is a man that wasn't, his, he wasn't even 40 yet. He was in his early 30s trying to do what God desires him to do. The forerunner of Jesus Christ had many disciples were running after him, but he shunned them away and said, you know, Behold the Lamb that taketh the sin of the world. And he caused the, the disciples, his own disciples, to turn and follow Jesus. This man, in God's will, was killed. You see the contrast now? And these are the verses right before verse 30. In verse 29 it says, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up the, his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14, and I want to show you something. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about the different um, overviews of the, the, the same miracle or the same circumstances, you're seeing it in a different angle. One of the, one of the writers is, is, is writing particularly to say to his, his audience, Jesus is, is not just a God. He's, he not, he's, he's not just a God. He's a man. Another would say, hey, you know, um, different writers like John who say, no, Jesus Christ is God. He's God in, in the flesh. Right? We know how they write and we understand how they, they're trying to portray Jesus Christ. And so in Matthew chapter 14, in verse 12, it says this, and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it. And it says this little last statement, and went and told Jesus. So let me ask you, church, one question. When Jesus heard all these great things happening with his disciples, do you think he was happy? Yeah, he was excited, great, ecstatic. Man, the, the word of God is going forth. This is the reason why I trained these 12 up. But then they hear about John the Baptist. Now you're getting the picture. 
there's a contrast in emotion. Your forerunner, your cousin-in-law, has just been beheaded. So now let's turn back to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Gentlemen, I'm excited about what God's done through you. I'm excited that you're, you're following the commandment. You're doing some great things. It's time for us now. Let, let's, let's go to a desert place and rest a while. It's time for rest. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus Christ and the disciples knew about the death of John the Baptist. And they were just going to take some time to talk, just to recharge for a bit. Put up your hand if you've ever done that. Or you just, you know, I'm so busy that I need to stop and just recharge. Yeah, yeah many of us. There's wisdom in that, by the way. You know, if, if, we, were, if we were made like the Energizer Bunny, right? That keeps going and going and going. Mercy, that would be a great thing. Things would get done. But then you forget the reason why you're doing it. I know you're doing great things. Take some time to think. Amen? And if you're serving, God has blessed you with that responsibility. Don't be like this all the time. Find out why you're doing it. Ask God, God, rejuvenate my spirit. I, had a, um, I have a discussion every week. I have multiple discussions every week with, with all these people all around Australia. Not, not just Australia, all around America, China. Matt, you name it, we have people that are inputting in this discussion. And basically, there's a question that's put forth and... And everyone sort of has about 250 to 300 words to reply. And with that, it allows all of us to, to sort of just think about the question and apply it. It's, it's for Bible college. And so what happens is you have <clears throat> about 50, 60 responses to the same question. And each and every one of them has their own flavor of what's going on in their life. We discussed this week about, about service. Sadly, a lot of those people that put it up equate service to spirituality. Have you ever been there? If you were to get to yourself in, uh, on, on Monday morning and, and say, what am, I gonna, what am I planning to do for the Lord this week? And, and all you're stating is service. Service, 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 service. And it's a great thing to serve God, amen? But if you're not walking with God, then your service does not equate spiritual growth. Because you can do the things that you do and still do it without God. Does that make sense? And if we're not careful, I can stand up and I could study the Scriptures and I could preach, but preach through my own strength, preach through my own will, and instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, what happens is you, you just preach yourself. But church, we should never be in that position. Why? Because we need to have a, a proper relationship with our Father, and that doesn't equate to, to service. Service is a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus. You want to serve because you're walking with God. Amen? You, you want to go out there and cut the grass. Why? Because you know that people need to come to church and see how it's done right. Man, they take care of the things that they've been given. God sees that. But you can cut the grass in your own flesh. God doesn't get the glory there. You just get upset and you get sweaty. That's what happens. Trust me, I've been there. Church, there was a first point simply this. There was a clash of emotions. But that didn't stop 
Jesus Christ from helping people. That didn't stop the disciples from, from getting the job done. We'll continue on. In, in Matthew 14, 13, I'll read it for you. It says, when, the, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. In, in Matthew 14, 14, it says this, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. When, every, time, every time that you get to, to the, the, the Dead Sea, the, the Sea of Galilee, what you have to picture in your mind is that in every aspect, um, the, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level. All right, It's more like a lake. It's below sea level. So when, when you're on a boat going from one side to another side, people can observe you moving. So picture that in your mind. Jesus Christ has, has, has told his disciples, okay, let's get out of here. Let's go to a desert place. And now they're traveling on the, on the, on the sea. And they're in the villages all around the sea. They're observing, hey, that's Jesus. Hey, hey isn't your cousin, doesn't your cousin have issues with his legs? Let's, let's go see Jesus. And whilst they're moving, the, you almost can picture it in your mind. You can see the people running on the other side, just, just trying to follow where he's actually going to stop. Why? Because Jesus' popularity was in tights, right? And so now they get to a position where Jesus is now there on the other side where they're supposed to be resting, where they're supposed to take some time and have the leisure to eat. And Jesus is confronted and the disciples are confronted with more labor, more work. And the first point, it was simply this. There was a clash of emotions and the emotions can hinder us from doing what God desires us to do. But secondly, simply this, the weariness of ministry. The weariness of ministry. Again, a reminder in verse 31, there was a, a rest a while that needed to take place. In Mark chapter 6, verse 32. Let's turn there. Uh, you should be there already. Mark chapter 6, verse 32. You guys doing okay tonight? This is fun, isn't it? Amen? Studying the Word of God is fun. Let's turn. Uh, 32 says this, And they departed into the desert place by ship privately, Verse 33, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. Weariness can stop you from being in service with Jesus. And the scary thought is, is that Sometimes we equate weariness with spirituality. So what do you mean by that? Um, how do I say this in a good term? If I try to do everything myself and, and, and not allow others to be part of it, it's selfish for me as a leader. Does that make sense? And what will happen as a byproduct by doing everything myself is that I will get weary. But I'll say this in my heart, and I'm just, I'm just being transparent. This is what, this was what I would say. I would say, I'm weary, I'm tired, but at least it got done. Men, if you're, if, if you're like me, that's, that's, that's how we think. We don't see things as stages. No, we want to just get it done. I don't, I don't need to go back to it again. I just want to know that it got, it got done right. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can equate my, how weary I am by how much I've been serving God. And this is where it's so vital for us as teachers to, to, to be able to have someone there to help us, to encourage us, to, to strengthen us during times of service. Why? Because if you do it yourself you'll burn out. You will burn out 100%. That's why when, when Moses was doing his job as judging the nation, do you know what God said? No, 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 no. Moses, that, that, that's enough. No, no, it's time for you to, to, to give it. Spread it out. 
Because you're trying to do it all yourself. It doesn't work like that. And you need to function in, in, in a way where you're able to say, hey, I'm going to entrust you with this part of my leadership. Therefore, I'm not going to ask you about it again. It's just going to get done. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that great? And what we're fearful of, many of us, the reason why we haven't taken the next step into to committing to, to clean the church or taking the next step to leading a, a classroom yet is because we're, we're scared of that weariness that will take place. Because we think we're going we're gonna to shoulder this burden all ourselves. And what's interesting is that by the, the, the example that Jesus Christ does after he sees them, he has compassion on them, and he continues working. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's beautiful. But do you know what Jesus Christ does? He does this one thing. And, and we'll, we'll learn a little bit about it in the next, next step. But simply this is he, he puts the responsibility of the care of the people onto the apostles. And you might not understand that yet. But church, what I'm trying to say is simply this, is that there needs to be an apartment. There should be a, a place for you to say, hey, can you deal with this? Because I don't need to deal with this right now. I need, to, I need to lead the class. I need to do this. I need to go here. I need to um, see if, if one of the widows needs help. And I, I can't do that if I'm doing this. There needs to be a balance. Does that make sense? So don't be scared of weariness. In, in Ephesians 3.14, it says this. Ephesians 3.14, let's turn there, and I'll read to you. <coughs> the Apostle Paul, um, his, his life just, it's such, a, it's such a life of service. But do you know Apostle Paul was weary too? Ephesians 3.14, it says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power of, uh, that worketh in us, in verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by, Jesus, uh, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And the thought is tonight that he understood that, that the weariness could take a hold of a church and cause them to slow down and not fulfill their duties. But the weariness has to coincide with something, someone. Because we could just keep running and running and running the church, but running nowhere. But if you're running the church with Jesus Christ, it says here, of whom the whole family in heaven is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You know what that means? You need a strengthening. You need a growing. You need a, you need a little boost that says, hey, I'm going to strengthen your heart. And we ought to be praying for that for our leaders. We really do. We ought to be praying for that for our missionaries. Now, time and time again, I hear of men getting so tired in ministry. Why? Because they, they don't hear from their congregation, you're doing a good job. So that's, that's nothing. No, it is, it's something. When was the last time you said that to someone that's teaching your child? Because you're imparting your child to them, so for an hour every Sunday, they get the opportunity to learn from the Bible. When was the last time you thanked them? for doing what they do. And whatever capacity of ministry it is, church, what we need to do is, is be thankful for it and just keep at it, keep going. 
not in our strength, but in the Lord's. And that's what we'll find in the next one. It's simply this. Um, so firstly, there was a clash of emotions. There's a, there's a weariness of ministry that can cause people to, to, to abstain from getting involved or even just to, to say, I want to continue in part. But thirdly, how about this? The dread of responsibility. There's a dread of responsibility. It says this in John chapter 6, verse 4, and you're doing well tonight, and I'm, I'm almost finished, so just keep at it. Hang on. It's okay. We'll get through this. John, in John chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, and the, Passover, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. In verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and saith unto Philip, this is what I was talking about, where he put the responsibility, he imparted the responsibility of care, the duty of care onto Philip. It says this, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus places the responsibility of the care upon those that followed unto him and the disciples. You see, this question was asked first. Understand the timeline here. And then what we'll do is we'll go to, to, um, to this thought. This question was asked. Jesus did his work. He healed people. He preached. And then it was asked again. It was two times this question was asked. And the same answer was given. It says here, Philip says in, um, in the following verse. <clears throat> in verse, uh, verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. Isn't that funny? God led them there, and now they're telling God where, where, it's, or where they are. It says, This is a desert place. And now the time is far spent. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And verse 37, it says this, And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? It's interesting that, they're very specific about the 200 penny worth. And a lot of theologians, a lot of people say that, okay, that's all the money that they had in their purse. That was all the money that they had. It's a supposition. That's fine. But why would you say 200? Why wouldn't you say 1,000? But nonetheless, the, the concept is still the same. Um, they, they said to Jesus, do you want us to go to the city and buy 200 penny worth of bread? And I might ask you a question. Do you think 200 penny worth of bread just comes like that? course not. It's more waiting. It's more teaching. Now this, the days far spent, God, now you want us to use all our resource or the resources that we have to give these people bread and you know that it's not going to be enough. And you know that this won't happen. And you know that there's not enough money in the bank. So we cannot up our tithes anymore. You know that, uh, you know that I, had a, I had an issue at work and they, they cut my, my pay by, by 17%. You understand that, don't you, Jesus? And yet you still want us to do it. And the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus knew what they were going to do. He knew how they would react. And this is where I think a lot of people are most scared about committing time and effort into a ministry or into service at a church. Is that you're scared because it comes with a responsibility that you think you can't take, you, you think you don't have. You think you can't give anymore. And it's true, you can't. <laughs> Same with me, I can't. Because if I try in myself, and if we, what we do is if, if we look at the bank and say, this is what our financial statement says, and this is what God wants us to do, and I can't afford this, but God, because, because you are God, I will trust in what you told me to do, and I will take this step. 
Even though it's not financially viable. Do you know a lot of our ministries, the things that we do, sometimes we don't even have funds for. And the scary thing is, is that if we become a church that says, oh no, we're going to keep, 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 keep. What's going to happen is we're going to get fat and things are going to die. Why? Because we need to understand that God doesn't work with just financial statements. God works with faith. And if you're not going to step out in faith, then why would he give you more? Does that make sense? I know men in the field that didn't have any money to start a building. And look at their church now. So they're in America. No, no, they're not in America. They're in Papua New Guinea. Mercy. I remember when they put down the concrete, and I thought to myself, how in the world would this guy pay for it? Now his building's up. He's praying for the walls. Amen? Why? Because he's stepping out in faith. That pleases God. Don't, don't ever get to a position, church, and, and myself included, where we have to do this, this, and this, and make sure this is right before we can take a step. If God has led you to do it, if, if men have, have, have purpose to pray for that specific area and God has given the green light, then take it. Don't just take it because you had an emotional trip. There's a difference, right? And that's why I was talking to the teens this morning, two, two weeks since camp. What has changed? Because what has changed is, is what's going to actually come from camp. Because two weeks is a good identifier where you're at. And so what I'm trying to say, church, is simply this, is that Jesus wanted them to see that they couldn't do it themselves. They needed Jesus. They needed a miracle. And he did it. We read the verse at the beginning of the service. The last thing I want us to just to consider and think about, maybe some of us are fearful to get into a position of, of helping in the church or, or even just committing some time, is, is the last one. And I think this is what gets missed a lot of times uh, when we do preach this, this particular uh, passage of Scripture. And let's, let's get to it. <clears throat> After the mir- miracle took place, and that simple thought is this, is that some people are fearful to get into service or continue in service because of dealing with success. Dealing with success. And this is where I think it's vital, vital for every leader, every opportuni- uh, opportunity that God has given you, you need to deal with success rightly. Because if you don't deal with success correctly, you're going to get big-headed, and what's going to happen is it's going to ruin what God has already done through you, okay? And let's see this. <clears throat> After the 12 ba- uh, baskets were full, <clears throat> um, says this, uh, verse 45, in verse 45, Mark chapter 6, verse 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. After, so this happened in verse 44. They did eat of the loaves, and there were about 5,000. <coughs> it's an interesting thought, what Jesus Christ did. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before the Bethsaida, while he sent, the people, uh, sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. You see... How do I say this? When that took place, um, after the, after the 5,000 happened, the Jewish people turned around and they were about to make Jesus Christ king. So where does it say that in Scripture? Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. passage of scripture I'm looking for. Mark chapter 9. 
So in Luke, let me just find it. Luke chapter 9. It says this. Um, eight. John chapter 6. Verse 14, there it is. John chapter 6, verse 14, it says, And those men, and those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. You notice that? And, and so this is, this is what I was talking about in regards to dealing with successes, dealing with, with, the, uh, with, with making sure you have the right, um, the right response, the right response to success. He didn't want the disciples to experience what he is just going to experience. And again, like what I was saying at the beginning of the service, simply this, is that Jesus' popularity is really high right now. After this miracle, you'll start finding that his popularity will decline. And a lot of people will just walk away from him. Yeah, there's a little bit of spikes here and there, but what you're going to find is that from, from now on to continuation, Jesus Christ turns around and he tells the people, don't tell anybody that this has happened. He heals somebody. He, he, he speaks and he, he spits in their, in their mouth and in their ear and he tells them, don't tell but then they publish it, and people come. And what Jesus Christ is doing now is getting back to the, the reason why he was actually serving. It's simply this, is that he had a purpose, and that purpose wasn't to become king. Not yet. His purpose was to be sacrificed. His purpose was to be atonement for sin. And when the Jewish people tried to, um, tried to bring him as king to take over the kingdom, and also push the Roman Empire out. Again, that's what they're looking for in the Messiah. They thought the Messiah would be that type of person. And he will eventually. But not, not at that time. What happened was that Jesus had to rightly say, no, this is not time. Do you know what this reminded me of? Do you remember when Jesus Christ went to the wilderness? And then the devil showed him temptation. I will give you this if you bow to me. And Jesus said no. And he rebuked him using the scripture. Same thought. It wasn't Jesus' time yet to be king. And that's the reason why he pushed the disciples and said, there's going to be things that I'm going to deal with that you don't need to deal with yet. So I'll get rid of these people whilst you go to the other side. And we know what happens next, right? No, if you read the Bible, you know what miracles happens next. It's about the boat and then people walking. Um, but church, understand that, that even successes would scare people from getting involved. And uh, the reason why I say this tonight is simply this, is that, is that there will be a seldom a time when you're serving God and everything's sweet. Sorry, but that's reality. Every time you're going to do something great for God, every time you're going to take the next step, watch out because there will be attack. And there will never be a time, and maybe God will give you a blessed time every once in a while where you can serve God and, and everything's hunky-dory. But there will be a time, men, where you're going to be questioned about your faith. And it's not time to run away about it. It's time to, to grow so I can answer that. Amen? And there will be times, servants, and, and I'm not saying that you're a servant. I'm not. I'm exactly a servant like you. But there will be times in our life where we're going to go through emotional turmoil, turmoil that we're going to we're gonna go through issues with, 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 with dealing with successes. 
We're going to go through um, the scare or the, the, the dread of responsibility. We're going to go through that. But God desires us to push through that and glorify him at the end. Amen? And that's my desire for you tonight. If you're struggling in your ministry, get some help. Ask. If, if, you're, if, you, if you need help, that's the reason why we're here. You know, we have some great deacons here. And they can help. If, if, if there are, there's ladies here that are, that are widows that need help, ask. You know what I mean? The reason why we can't do anything is because we don't know. We don't, we don't mind read. And that's the same church with everybody else, even leadership included. We all need, we all need sometimes, just sometimes. Just talk about it. Don't bottle it up. Does that make sense? Because there is, there is service through suffering. But that's the way the Lord pictured it, showed it. There was always suffering in his service. But that gave ultimate glory to God. And that's where I want you guys to be. If that's your prayer, if all you do in our church is that you're a prayer warrior, I thank you. If all you do in our church is that you get your water cash out, and you give it to the church, I thank you. But if you're a teacher and you study day in, day out, and study to, to help those little kids grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not just at home, but here in the church, then I thank you for that. And parents, if it's just you being faithful in what you believe and why you believe it, then keep going. Because there will be suffering in our service. Remember who we're, ser- we're servicing. <laughs> Remember why we're doing what we do. Amen? It's not for Southland Baptist Church. It's for Jesus Christ. And we're here to grow like this and give honor to him. Because he deserves it. He, he deserves it 100%. Amen? Let's pray. Ask God to... Bless, and then we'll be dismissed, church. I know I've taken a long time. Thank you for your attentiveness. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we are grateful again. Um, and I know I've, I, talk, I talked a lot tonight, but I pray, Lord, that you, you touch someone's heart. And, and Father, as we have a time of, of thinking and, and just praying, Lord, even at this time, I ask that you just do your work. As a as the piano begins to play tonight, I just want to ask you a question, and simply this. And you say, um, Church, is there anyone here that would say, Hey, Pastor, I want, to, I want to join with you and pray. Pray for our church. Pray for our leadership. Pray for um, our ministries. I, 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 want to, I want to join with you and, and pray. If that's you tonight, would you kindly raise your hand? You say, This week I'm going to pray for our church. Amen. I see that hand. I see hands everywhere in the church. Thank you. So let's take some time to pray. Let's take some time to, to ask God to bless our church. And, and like what Pastor June said this morning, be unified in what we do and why we do it. It's for His glory, for His honor. Now watch the pitfalls that we can all fall into. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your, your Sunday school teacher. Pray for leadership. Pray for one another. It's a beautiful thing to pray. Church, it's it's our responsibility. If you don't pray for your brother, who will? Who will pray for your brother if if you don't pray? Church, this is an opportunity. If the altars are open, that's you this, this evening, just pray.